Welcome to the weekly service podcast, Stories with Heart, where we explore the unique tales we all have to tell about this human life and how we might grow towards a truly thriving society. This podcast is generously supported by our members, and the stories were first told at the weekly service, a Melbourne-based secular community group, bringing connection, ritual and meaning back into our lives. Uncle Pultadi Chris Tomlins is an Aranda elder who carries the message that now is the time for all Australians to come together and begin the healing. But first, we need truth. Today, he generously shares stories from his family and talks about his yarning circles where non-Indigenous people can sit and listen to elders talk about the realities of colonisation, its ongoing impact and how we might come together and heal as a nation. My name is Paul Tardy, Chris Tomlins. I'm an elder here in Central Australia, Alice Springs, the land of the red. Um, I was born here in the um, late 50s, so 59, and grew up in Alice Springs. But um, prior to that, um, my mother, my father, they were born here too. My father's an Aranda elder, and he was born just north of Alice, um, in, in his country, in his birthing place. He's what they call a bush baby. And uh, my mother, is she's a Walbury woman, about 200, just over 200 kilometres northwest of Alice Spring. And um, she was also born in a birthing area too, which is the Emu Dreamer. And it's got two big rock holes where the women give birth to their babies. And um, and their connection and their skin name as well comes with it, and um, and we all belong, belong our country. And um, but then she got taken when she was around eight years old, and so did my father around that age, around eight years old. And um, mission ice, and um, a lot of the stuff I'm telling you will be in a nutshell. But um, when we have a yarning two telling circles at the end of May. A lot of that, we'll have more time to go into explaining a lot about um, my first contact with my grandmothers, with the, um, with old Bill Braitland, one of the great pioneers of Central Australia, and um, also on my, my father's side, my grandmother's first contacts as well. But um, I grew up in Alice in the late 50s, early 60s, and... In those days, we were, I didn't realise until now, but not till now, but um, over time, that I was growing up with, it was just the east side kids grew up in the east side in Alice Springs, one of the suburbs, half-caste kids. And then the three-quarter-caste kids was in the Gap area. And then the quarter-caste kids were in the railway areas. And, um, and the full-bloods had to be out of town on these missions or camps. And... Um, they weren't allowed in after sunset. And um, I grew up in that sort of time in Alice as a kid and then journeyed up to Darwin where my father had a work there with um, Lanson Surveys. But um, I spent a lot of my life there in Darwin and travelled to places like um, Queensland, Western Australia in my young adulthood times and then um, come back to Alice 
um, on my father's wish because I was always curious about they called him Yambo all the time and not Ambrose or, you know, uncle or like most people do. We had a lot of business and families that come in and out of that time. And he said, that's where I was born and that's where I want you to go back to. And um, Because we just heard at that time in the late 70s, getting into the 80s, that there's the land right movement was going on. So um, I come back to Alice and um, just to find out who my father's family was. I only had um, a head full of names of people. So I come back and started um, searching out my family tree, so to speak, and um, reconnected. I found out that there's a camp set up at McGrath's Dam, just north of Ellis, and not far from Yamba, where I, where my father was born. So um, I went back there and um, sat with my elders and realised that my skin name is different to my father's, but um, my kids have the same skin name as my father. You follow through your grandfather's line. And... Um, that skin connection and to country and all that sort of got me wondering a lot because my parents were missionaries and they always read the Bible and they believed in the Bible and I don't doubt that. And um, so um, that sort of like got me thinking about my connection and um, where I belong and and um, it changed my life a lot from how I grew up to how I seen things back on country that um, I have a right to be free in my country. I have a right to leave my life, my kids. And I realised that we were leaving under an occupation. We were leaving under, you know, a simulation and apartheid. And it, it's, it just sort of like shocked me in those days to be, to think that I grew up like this in, a, in an environment that was um, not really designed for my way of living and um, our culture. And so um, I felt that our culture and our belief in that are, are ancient and old and should be, um, and it's a part of everybody. And sitting with my elders also, they told me stories about, when the white man first come into Alice Springs, because us being the last hit, um, didn't have to go back very far to less than a hundred years or so when they seen, first seen white man coming. And um, the stories I heard really shocked me and changed my way of thinking about the activism when we got into the land rights, how we all rallied and marched and chanted and yelled and screamed. And it sort of like changed me when the old people told me that. They elders felt sorry and felt no good when the white men were here having babies, little white babies. And um, I looked and listened and I said, um, so the Yipurinya Dreaming in Alice Springs, it's, it's a big festival every year and it's an icon site in Alice Springs. They call it the McDonald, but it's the Yipurinya Dreaming. It's a big thing. Um, they've done a robbery, a ceremony, 
to connect all these little white babies that have been born in this country to the Creator, to the country, to where we belong. We all belong. No matter where we are, we belong to Mother Earth. And that's the journey that I felt that I should be called to do. And I am doing my best. I think we all are. But um, it's a it's a journey where you have to front your biggest fear without doing any harm. And that's a journey that I want everybody to be on because sooner or later it has to end the occupation of this country, the, the trauma in this country has to end because when the first hit mob come, got hit, there was a lot of blood, there was a lot of pain, there was a lot of death and it rippled right through here to the center. And my elders have shown me that we can bring the people of this country together, connect them to the country because we all are part of it. And that's a journey that I am on and it's a journey that I think that all Australians should be on so that we can walk together and make this country a safer place for our kids and our grandchildren. And yes, I'm saying we do have an enemy in, in our front. And that is our own making, our own government, our own making. And all we have to do is undo that. All we have to do is say to our government, if you don't do this, then we're going to get someone that can. And exercising your power without any guns, any weapons, just your voice. And that's where we're walking to in the year 2022. We want a voice in Parliament, but it's going to be the voice of the people. I know that the Aboriginal structures want a voice in Parliament, but that voice will never be true unless we sit down first, all of us, and talk about our past, talk about our history and talk about our culture, our connection, where we belong, and how we move forward from there. Thank you. Uncle Chris, you've got time. Please share more with us. Well, um, even when I was growing up here, I remember as a kid on the east side there, I would have been about probably five years old, maybe. Old enough to climb over a fence in here, backyard fence. And uh, me and my brother at night, we used to, uh, my mother used to make a big damper up and dad used to make a big billy of tea. And um, at night we used to, to sneak out the back door and both of us, one of us had a damper another, and I had the billy can of tea. We get to the fence and I'll grab the damper off my brother and hold a billy cunny, climb over the fence, and I'll pass it over, and then I'll climb over. And we used to run down the laneway because our grandmother, she used to be at Santa Teresa Mission just out of Alice Springs, about a good 100 or 80 kilometres out, 100 kilometres, you could safely say. And um, she used to walk in, and um, at night she used to sit down the end of the laneway and we had two houses down. We had laneways in those days with old um, toilets. Anyhow, um, we used to sneak down there sort of with um, a damp and a billy can of tea and sit with her at night for about an hour or so. And we didn't understand what she said, but she used to talk 
and we couldn't understand language because we were learning English and um, we weren't allowed to speak language in them days either. But um, it felt like we knew everything she was saying, you know, and, um, and it never used to last long and it used to be like once every three or four months. But um, there were little stories of, um, and that's my father's grandmother. And um, there's also the one my mother told me, she, for the stolen generation, she'd done some recording and uh, I listened to one of her tapes and because um, she was um, a young girl at Mount Doreen where she was born, at the Mount Doreen station and um, there were goats and stuff there and um, the police rocked up in a, a little buggy the old cars, you know, with the ran tires, the just all rubber sort of stuff. And it looked like a um a wagon without a horse, so to speak. And um they got curious and they wanted to go for a ride in it. And the policeman said, Yeah, no worries, hop in. So I grabbed her and a couple of her brothers and that. And um took them for a ride to Alice Springs. And uh, at that time, um my grandfather, old Bill Braitland, was at mustering and so was my grandmother there. She was the cook and there was only a few people there keeping an eye on the kids and whatnot. But um, when they seen the policemen, they got a bit scared. So they took off with my mother from Yindamu, Walbury country, to um, Alice Springs where she went to the convent school. And there's Ansake Hill is straight across from the convent school. And she used to sit there. She walked from, um, my mother told me that she walked from Walbury Country, Yindamu, Mount Doreen, which is over 200 kilometres, walked to Alice Springs, and partly through the desert, Panama Desert, to Alice Springs. And used to sit on the side of the Handsake Hill and look down at the convent, hoping to see her. And, um, over 20 years later, when my mother left Melville Island up in the north of Darwin, her and my father got married, they connected there, and she'd come back and someone told her about it. So um, one day she went to have a look and there my grandmother was sitting there. And um, my mother didn't know what to do. She called her. And she was looking for a woman by the name of, a girl by the name of Laura. She's calling that Laura. And um, they changed my mother's name to Maria. And um, she was looking, my, and then she realized, yes, that's my name, Maria. And that was her mum, you know, after 20 years. But she used to walk every now and then from Mantorin, which is over 200 kilometers. So over 20 years, she must have walked a hell of a lot just to um, look for look for my mother and to find her. And um, that really um, really tore me when I heard that and she told me that. And I'm thinking, you know, you can never be the mother's love, so to speak. And that's what our mother is, Earth as well. And that's something I think we should all walk into knowing that 
we live on our mother, this earth, and, um, and she'll always be there for us, no matter which way we go. And this, the stories of my two grandmothers, and there's, there are a few more, but um, that one there really um, sort of like touched the chord in me, and I felt I should share that one. And yeah, it's got me going a bit here now. Let's have a zip of tea. It was only um, and just over seven years ago that a bloke by the name of Michael Gillard Anderson is well known in New South Wales. And the Tanemis Ketir is the last surviving member of the um, four blokes or five that stood ground at there just um, 50 years ago. And um, I sat at the embassy and I met people like Michael Anderson and um, Robbie Thorpes and um, a few other elder activists frontliners in Canberra and at the 10 embassy from around Australia. And I see them and um, I hear their stories and I look at them and um, I can see that um, there's a big gap, you know, like a hundred, over a hundred years of suffering that these mob have compared to what I have sort of and it's, you really can't compare pain. Everybody feels it in different ways. But um, those were a lot longer. And um, I used to feel so hurt just being at that embassy, knowing that these mob have gone through twice as much as what I've gone through. And um, just walking with that and knowing that was, um, really gave me the strength to stand there and changed a lot of my feelings about how I was in Alice where it was really radical. And even in Canberra, like the likes of Jenny Munro and that, where they get up and talk and it was all like these white people like this and that, you know. And I realised it wasn't the people that was doing this. It was the government. And it wasn't just the government. It was a, there are hidden corners in the government that um, controls the government and everybody can see that when 80% um, of the territory says no fracking and then the, um, the government goes ahead and does it. And um, there are all these signs I see. I started to come out of something to really engage in a solution, you know, there's got to be something here that um, has a purpose, you know, this is not happening for some silly reason. It, everything happens because it has a reason for it. And I'm getting on board that and just acknowledging that this is happening for a very good reason. It's not a coincidence. And this is where we're going to be at. It, and I feel that this since 2020 and that leading on like um i feel like this is um this is the time there's something there and um i could read this 
um, uh, it's in my emails and Carla knows about it, but it's a statement that I'd done on um, early this year in January 26 on Australia Day. And um, I'll just read it out, but I need to get a bit of light on the subject. This, um, this is, a, this is a, a media release. It starts off, um, Aranda Elder Chris Tomlins believes January 26, January 26 will become a national day of healing. To this purpose, he is imitating nationwide active engagements towards practical reconciliation. While his initiative ducktails with Professor Mark Kenny's proposal for a national reconciliation memorial on Lake, Lake Barkley Griffins, he believes it cannot just be a grand symbolic gesture. It must include a compelling focus on truth-telling, restorative justice, reconciliation, and, heal and healing, and in time, treaty. Well, Tony Chris Tomlins believe we cannot continue year after year with a celebration that acknowledged the colonization of this continent, while the occupations, the massacres of the first people, the frontier wars, the effect of the ongoing anti-intervention, the immense continued suffering and intergenerational trauma remains widely denied, downplayed or ignored. Portati Chris Tomlitz is convinced that while, while there are the wounds of country urgently needs to heal, we can restore justice, create peace, live in a peaceful harmony and build a future together through truth, genuine understanding and full recognition of those atrocities and resulting long-term consequences. Now is the time for all Australians to come together and begin the healing. But first we need truth. We intend to walk through these issues over the next 12 months through community interactions, numerous events, conversations or consulting meetings with Indigenous and non-Indigenous groups and individuals with the aim to create healing circles and awareness that can elevate Australia Day to the proper day of national soul searching for everything from Captain Cook's arrival to the Coniston Mascara. It is beyond any debt that this will take a long-term process, but we can start now. And this includes some of the events that we're going to be doing over. And Carla is... Um, it's in the forefront of a couple of them and maybe in the rest to come, but um, we're hoping that um, we walk through the next 12 months just acknowledging our past, the past atrocities that took place in this country because, and just coming to these um, truth-telling circles and get an in-depth of um, a lot of what we talk about, our connection to the Creator and how the truth is written and like i mentioned before carla like the chukrabai our dream is written in the bible it's the first seven days the beginning and we know that and you see in the bible that on the sixth day that man and woman created in the creator's image and then on the seventh day the creator rested and then you look over the next page and it's got the Lord God and the Garden of Eden. 
and he made man out of a lump of dirt. And you think, hello, what happened on the sixth day? Weren't man and woman created then? And then you turned and looked in the next page and you've got the Garden of Eden where the Lord God created Adam out of dirt. And then he must have been observing um, the tribal or the creation man and woman. So um, he asked the Lord God for a woman, you know, and the Lord God responded, do you know what you're asking for? No, but um, he um, created a woman out of Adam's rib, and then we know there were Cain and Abel, and then the whole genealogy of that covers the rest of the Bible. Now and then J.C. comes into it, who we know walked this country. We have proof that J.C. was here when he was young. He disappeared from the Bible when he was a kid, 13, 14 years old. We spent a lot of time here learning our law. We are the teachers. We're not um, generals. We're not dictators. We're not. All we do is teach the stories of creation, where we connect, where we belong, and who and what we are. And we want everybody to be able to identify their spiritual side. This area is all about your mind and your body, but now it's a spiritual time. And our elders and our connection are the best links and leads we have to create Okay? And I just want everybody to know that I will have, um, in May in Canberra, I will have um, other elders with me and my aunties on my mother's side and on my father's side. and. Um, We'll have a good three days to chat all day and night. And I know some of my aunties and uncles, once they start talking, you'll never shut them up. <laughs> but there you go. And we'd love to see you all. Thanks for listening to the weekly service podcast, Stories with Heart. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Weekly Service. And if you'd like to support the podcast, feel free to share this episode with a friend, leave us a review on iTunes, or make a donation at theweeklyservice.com forward slash donations.